Yeah. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode. And if you're looking on your screen right now, we've got a one of one as my guest today. You might recognize him as Scott from the real world Brooklyn, or in some cases, or in most cases these days, you might recognize him as from his YouTube channel, Scott Herman Fitness. What's going on, Scott? Thanks for stopping by the show today. Yo, thanks for having me, Mike. How's your day going? Not bad. It's a pleasure to meet you. It's kind of funny how it all came together just a little over a week ago. There was a fan page that I think shared a picture of you um, as 10 real worlders that should be on the challenge. And that's just kind of how it all came together so spontaneously. But um, glad to meet you. Yeah, you know, and I, I've actually been on that page a few times. And I've been talking some smack here and there over the course of the last probably like five or six months because... You know, I'm at a point in my life where I'm pretty much retired. I do whatever I want. I basically work out and make YouTube videos, and I've always wanted to do a challenge. In fact, it was the only reason I did the show was so that I could do a challenge, and I never did one. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to assume coming off your real world, the calls had to have been coming. No, I got a call um, for the first season, and it was at a point, so... Um, I mean, if we want to just dive right in, you know, we can dive right in. Oh, yeah, go for started. it. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure you've had people on the, come on here and talk about, you know, what it's like being on the real world. And a lot of people assume just because you're on a reality show, you make a lot of money. Right. And it's like, no, you get paid. I think it was like 500 bucks a week, uh, but you only got paid three hundred dollars of that five hundred dollars because they would keep money. So at the end of the season, all the rules that you broke and all the shit that you broke you had to pay for that out of your pocket. So they film it. It's great TV. And they're like, by the way, you're paying for that table. You just smashed. Like on my season, there was a scene where JD got like pissed and he smashed the glass table um, with this like basket that had some yarn <laughs> balls in it. And it was really funny too, because when he smashed the table, one of the balls like went straight in the air and came down and like bounced off his head and then like went the other way. But he was so mad. I didn't even notice. But yeah, do they make you pay for all that? Like if, if curfew is 10 o'clock and you come home at like 10.05, it's like $30 charge, $50 charge. So, you know, you were, you know, losing money throughout the season. The majority of us, though, um, we were able to collect the rest of that cash. But, you know, you're not getting paid a lot. It's usually the second or third season. I mean, even with the yeah. challenge, mm. your first appearance in the challenge, you don't get paid a lot to be there. But once you're a recurring cast member, you know, they raise how much they pay you. So coming out of the show and then moving into the city... Um, I moved into an apartment complex uh, called uh, Stuyvesant Town, right, on 14th yeah. and 1st Street with Bea and Devin. And Chet was in the city, too, living with his brother. And so, you know, the three of us are in this, you know, not not the biggest, you know, apartment um, complex that we were staying in. Just barely big enough for two people. And it was three of us. I think uh, Bea and I actually shared a room, you know. Mm -hmm. But the goal was to go out there and continue to pursue, you know, why we were in New York or, or on the show to begin with, because our season was a throwback season. And it was the first season with where we didn't have a collective job together. Right. So we were all pursuing like modeling, acting, show hosting, dancing, um, you know, in the city. So Bay was always going out and pursuing the dancing. I was going out pursuing modeling and acting. And Devin was going out pursuing like Broadway and singing. So the goal wasn't to be home. But yeah, it was it was like the $3,200 a month back then for this small little apartment. And basically the only way that we were paying the bills was with our appearances. 
So, you know, we would get hired to go do an appearance and we would go, you know, I'd go do a bar appearance in like New Jersey or Massachusetts or somewhere in New York or Connecticut, you know, and just kind of do my rounds getting paid, you know, anywhere between like twelve hundred to maybe fifteen hundred dollars. Um, but that wasn't always guaranteed. And, you know, if any of our cast members like we had a pack like, hey, nobody from our season gets paid less than twelve hundred dollars to do a bar appearance. Right. And then, like, Caitlin and Sarah started doing bar appearances for, like, $400 instead of the fuck the rest of us over. We're like, dude, like, yeah. wow. we made, like, it's cool that you want to get that 400 bucks, but, like, now you're watering down everyone else's pay because that same bar is going to reach out to us and be like, well, we had Sarah here for 400 bucks. I'd be like, well, good for her. You know, I want 1500 I got, I got, a, you know, $3,200 monthly apartment I got to pay for, right? So, you know, basically pursuing pursuing the modeling for me, pursuing the modeling and acting in the city, doing these bar appearances, you know, you know, just watching my credit card debt go through the roof, um, you know, getting to a point to where I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time sleeping at night because my my credit cards were my the finance charges on my credit cards monthly was higher than what I could afford to pay each month to try to pay them down. And, you know, a lot of people on my season, they assumed you know, that I had a lot of money to just, you know, throw around everywhere because at one point, Caitlin was going to leave the show. Mm. And she, she was going to leave the show because she had gotten fired from her job like two or maybe like three months before the show started filming um, because she's transgender. And obviously back then it was still a new thing and she ended up getting fired. I don't think they outright said that to her, but that was part of the reason why. So her bills were piling up. We're only getting paid $300 a week to be on the show, and we still have to buy our own food, pay for our own booze, right? Like, they don't pay all your bills while you're there, or else it wouldn't be real, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, what, you know, we were doing a lot of work with the LGBT Center on 12th and, like, 3rd Street, I think, in New York City. And she was building out, like, this whole database um, or website for people who were transgender that needed a place to go and to find information and she was going to have to leave the show because she couldn't pay her bills. She's like, I got a storage unit I can't pay for. I got all these other bills I can't pay for. So I ended up writing her a check for like $1,500. I think this was on like episode like nine or 10. And like I, I probably had like $2,100 in the bank when I gave her that check for $1,500. And, you know, some people's reactions were like, oh, he's a male model. Like he's got plenty of money. Like, dude, you only get paid like $300 for a, a men's health photo shoot, okay? And then they reuse those photos over and over again for like a year and don't hire you because they just reuse those photos and you've already been in the magazine. Like, it's not, <laughs> as, it's not as liquid as you might think, which I came to find out as my credit card debt started going through the roof. And so one of the fans of our season happened to work at Google. And I had worked in a gym since I was 14 years old, you know, so almost 10 years I've worked in a gym, every job from maintenance to general manager, personal trainer, I've built a few gyms too. And so I just really missed like that environment of helping people and working with people. And so I started a YouTube channel, not even knowing that I could make money doing it. I just like had this innate desire to just sit down and give advice on this platform that at the time was extremely new. And so uh, this guy, his name is Ben. I'll never forget him. Ben Ling. You know, he gave me a call and he's like, hey, man, you know, I work for Google. Come to our offices in New York. And so I went there. I spent the day and he's like, listen, you can make money with YouTube. Um, you know, if you're consistent and you get monetized and, you know, he showed me the ropes. 
And I saw that as like a really big opportunity. And I was getting to the point to where I was moving out of the city. I was going back to the gym that I had worked at for so long as a general manager. And my goal was I was going to work there during the day. And then at night, I'm going to film my videos and I'm going to blow this thing up. Mm. And it was around that time where I just started getting the momentum moving that I got my call for the challenge. And I had to make like a really tough adult decision. Because I knew if I went on the challenge, obviously, I'm going to get paid for going there. If I win, I'm going to make a lot of money. Um, if I become a popular character, I can obviously turn that into more lucrative deals with like bar appearances and all those other things that come with that. Uh, but if it doesn't work out, then I'm fucked, right? <laughs> I got no money, can't pay my bills. Mm -hmm. I have no no solid structure you know, in place so that even if I do go there and do well – you don't know if you're going to get called for the next one. And so I had just started, like got my sponsorship with BSN. By the way, like I was the first person in the, you know, ever to get a supplement sponsorship for being a social media influencer. Cuz it was also new, you know. This all this stuff was also new that when people saw me in the gym filming myself, they thought I was a conceited prick. Like why are you filming yourself? What's like everyone, you know, and people would tell me, like, you're never going to make money with YouTube. That's really stupid, you know. But I saw something that no one else did. And now, look, here we are almost 12 years later. And I'm, you know, the the original, the OG in the fitness YouTube space. My videos are embedded all over the world. I could make zero videos right now. And that monthly money that comes in through monetization never goes down because my videos yeah. are, are everywhere. But. You had to obviously, you know, have the foresight to see that opportunity. And I did at the time. And as as, as upset as I was, because like I said, I, the only reason I did the show is because I wanted to do the challenge. I, and, and not even necessarily to be on TV. The challenge is cool, right? It's like the, cool. <laughs> the shit you have to do there, that's right up my alley. You know, my wife, you know, God bless her. She, she won't do Tough Mudder or Spartan Race, or, but she'll go there and like, have drinks and watch me do it. You know what I mean? I yeah. love that stuff. I live for that stuff. I love competition. And so to have to turn that down to do this, it, it really sucked at the time. But, you know, it's led to a lot of really, uh, you know, big opportunities for me to get to where I am now, where, you know, I, I have a, my dream house. I live in Florida. Um, I don't, I, all my bills are paid. You know, I have a, a beautiful wife, uh, an amazing daughter. You know, every everything has worked out for me. And I actually said to my wife about a year, year and a half ago, and that's when I, I started reaching out to like Dan Castor and some of these other guys. Um, unfortunately, it's been so long that a lot of my contacts that did work at Butum and Murray no longer work at Butum and Murray. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? But they remember me like a Dan, I emailed Dan and he's like, hey, what's up, Mr. Fitness? And I was like, shit, I guess I left an impression, you know, with these guys. <laughs> But I said to my wife, I was like, I was like, babe, I was like, you know, if I have any regrets, it's that I just never did the challenge. And it's just something that I always wanted to do. And so I started reaching out. Um, I hadn't talked to Mark Long in probably like eight years, you know, and we started chatting back and forth. I, I know I gave him a phone call. Got We got caught up on things. Um, and then I was I was emailing, you know, the main show. And then as Mark and I were talking then he, you know, he started his OG season and he's like, dude, I think you'd be perfect for the OG season. You know, send us in like a, like your headshot and your bio and all this other stuff. And so I had all that stuff submitted even before season one came out. 
And I didn't get on season one. And I think it's mainly because I'm not technically an OG, right? So they wanted the first season to be all OG, you know, real world challengers and then have them come on. But, you know, then back in December, Mark reached back out to me. He's like, hey, man, I think we might be able to get you on, you know, one of the next seasons. They were just about to start filming season three. He's like, send us in another casting video. And eventually I'll show you guys my casting video. It's funny as fuck. Okay. Like, you got to you got you to do that. You do like, it, you know, I, I like <laughs> I still have I, I got in my closet over here, dude. Like I have my original casting video for the real world. You know, like well, I'll have to share that with you. Like it's so cheesy. I know exactly why they picked me for the show. Like it was beast mode. Like if I'm going to do this stuff and, and to be honest with you, the only reason why I even made my first casting video to get on the real world Brooklyn was because one of my clients that I had had. Like for five or six months straight was like, do you make your casting? Because she 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 loved me and my personality. She's like, you'd be perfect for that show. Make a video, make it. So I, after six months, I finally made a video. But like, I'm the kind of person if I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna make it epic. And so I had just one. Um, I had started modeling, right? So I had mm -hmm. just won uh, the best abs on the East Coast for Men's Health magazine, and the magazine had just come out. And so like a, a big part of my video was like, I got the best abs on the East Coast, like all this bullshit, you know. I'm I'm smart, you know. I saw that as I see I I see always see opportunities as stepping stones to bigger opportunities, <laughs> and so you know that that got me on the show. First of all, like I like getting on the show itself was a whole other like story on its own. Like another I got arrested. What was it? Another beast, dude. Like I got arrested at at, at going to one of my um one of my interviews, like. So basically what happened was, you know, the, the way casting works is you send in your video, then they email you, then you fill out like this 12 page questionnaire. Um, and then you send that in. And like that questionnaire obviously was designed to kind of like figure out your personality. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I actually remember one of the questions was like, you know, if you had Aladdin's lamp, what would your three wishes be? And I was like, I wish for money, superpowers, and then I'd wish the genie free. Um, because if you watch the the Aladdin show as a kid, after Aladdin frees the genie in the movie, they have a show and they just do cool shit together all the time. I was like, fuck, you know, I'll, I'll free the genie. And we'll do cool shit. I'll be my third wish. So, like, you know, these things are, are made to, like, bring out your personality to make sure mm -hmm. you're good for the show itself. So after you send the paperwork in, then they do like a well, I don't know what video service existed in 2009. It might have been Skype, uh, but you do a call like this. And then you have to go to L.A. for your first interview. So I go there for I'm going there for my my first interview. And I had a girl that was in a, a bunch of my classes in college. Her name is Lily. And we became really good friends. And she lived out in L.A. And so when I was out there, I was um, in San Diego, San Diego. I think it was San Diego for a convention called Ursa, which is like for for gym equipment, because I, I worked at a gym, like I told you. And so it's like a two hour uh, drive to go from there to L.A. to my my casting call. And so my friend Lily was like, oh, I'll pick you up and then I'll drive you there. Right. So she picks me up and we're driving there. And when we were in college, I had an Audi and it was like I hated that fucking car so much. And she was in a brand new Audi, you know, so we're driving and I'm like, oh, man, I'm like, Lily, remember that piece of shit Audi I had in college that was like always giving me problems. And she looks, she looks right at me, and she goes, yeah, I remember that. She goes, I love my Audi, though. I never have any problems. 
I swear to God, as soon as she said the word problems and she finished her sentence, the car fucking died. Okay? Like, on the highway. And so she's like, she's like, all worried. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, ah, car's not moving. I'm like, so we pull over on the highway and she's like, I have gas. It says I have like 60 miles left on the gas tank. I don't know why this isn't working. And I'm like, shit. So like, there was a off ramp, um, maybe like a mile up the road, right? So I'm pushing this fucking car down the highway in the breakdown lane. And, you know, people in California are such fucking pricks. Nobody pulls over to help me, right? Like, if that's me and I'm driving down the road and I see someone pushing a fucking car, I'm going to get out and help. Nobody yeah. helps me. So I push this car up the off ramp. And then um, I was hoping there would be a gas station there. Of course, there was like nothing there. So then we call for a tow truck. And meanwhile, remember, I, I had to be at my interview at like 4. It's like 3.30. So like I'm calling them. I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. I'm late. Car trouble, whatever, whatever. So um, we call for a tow truck. And it sucked because like there was an accident on the other side of the highway. I could like literally see the tow truck stuck in traffic. And I'm just like waiting for the time. Finally get the car on a tow truck. And I'm like, listen, man, I am like 99% sure this car needs gas. And he's like, okay. So he brings us to a gas station. We fill it up while it's still on the on the bed. Car starts right up. And then come to find out later, there was actually a, a factory recall issue with her model Audi where the the sensor for how much gas you have was on like the left side of the tank. Where and then the gas the fuel wow. sending unit was on the right side of the tank, right? So there was gas, it was just over here, and it couldn't get to the fuel sending unit over there. Anyways, so we finally get there. <laughs> I'm like, obviously, you know, uh, tired, sweaty, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so we get into the 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 room and this woman comes in. Her name was Sasha. I'll never forget her. And so, you know, she's busting my balls. She's like, so you're here for your interview. You're late. What's going on? And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, and I tell her the whole story. I just told you. And she stops me. She's like, listen, I got to stop you. I'm like, what? She goes. You have not blinked in five minutes telling me this story. You're freaking me out. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said, how does it feel to be the nervous one on the side of the conversation? You know, and so like that, that because that shit happened, it brought my personality out in this first interview, you know. And then so after the interview was over, this was like the second to last one I left. And obviously, like after that, a whole ordeal, I'm tired as hell. Um, there was a metro that went from where I was in, in L.A., like back to where the hotel I was staying in. It was like a, ho- it was a, Marriott, a hotel Marriott, Mariana, whatever. Um, it was like the, the subway station or train station, whatever you want to call it, stopped right there. And it was maybe like a 15 minute walk from the train. So I'm on the train, whatever, tired. The train finally pulls up. It's like a two hour train ride. And I had on shorts and like a T-shirt and I had like a like a one strap like bag. Right. And so I'm, I'm standing there at the door and I'm fiddling with my bag because I had an iPod and I was putting it in my pouch and I had my earpiece. I was putting my earpieces in and I was like, OK, as soon as this door opens, I'm just going to run because I could see the, where the hotel was, but I couldn't I didn't know exactly how to get there. So I'm just going to fucking run in this direction and get to this hotel <laughs> So as soon as the doors open, like I bolted out of there, like they weren't even fully open. Like I'm just going to bolt, get there and go to sleep. Right. I didn't make it like not even three or four minutes down the road and like seven police cars just like surround me and like put point their guns at me. And I'm like, holy shit. 
So I had like one hand up and I, ha- I took my other hand and I put it in my pocket to push play my iPod. And they're like, hands in the air. And I'm like, I'm just pushing pause on my iPod. Fuck it. They come over. They put my arms behind me. They handcuff me. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Right. And so the guy is, is saying to me, he's like, you know, someone was seen matching your description, loading a gun. And later when I thought about this, I'm like, oh, people on the train probably thought I was like loading a gun because I was fiddling with my bag, you know, and then I just bolted right as soon as the, the doors open. I'm like, Jesus, man, like people are so stupid. But anyway, so I'm arrested. There's seven police people there. Um, they ha- So like I have that one strap backpack on. Right. So they, they have me handcuffed. And the, the, one of the cops is talking to me. And so the guy, like, picks up my bag to search it. He, like, brings it over my head and pulls it back. And he's, like, pulling it. And, of course, it's hitting my handcuffs. And so I'm talking to the police officer. And I turn around. I'm like, dude, like, you're going to have to unhandcuff me to get the bag out. Like, that's how it works, you know? <laughs> so, like, he unhandcuffs me, takes the bag, handcuffs me again. And the guy's like, where are you coming from? I was like, oh, I was at a job interview, um, you know, in the city. And now I'm coming back. I'm staying at the Hotel Mariana um, because, you know, I'm here for the Ursa convention with my buddy and blah, 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 blah. Of course, they search my bag. There's no gun and all this other bullshit. Um, and then they, uh, they they take the handcuffs off. And the cop that was there, I said to him, like, hey, man, I'm like, she might just like give me a ride to my hotel. Like, I don't even know if I'm in the going in the right direction. So he was really cool. Him and his partner. So like, yeah, I'll give you a ride. And so like they put me in the back of the police car. Um, and then, so we're talking and they're like, um, you know, you know, what, so what was your job interview for? And I was like, oh, it was actually, you know, to go on the real world. I'm on like the second to last interview. And they're like, oh shit, that's so cool. If you make it on, I'm going to tell everybody I arrested you. I was like, yeah, you can, <laughs> you know? And then like super bad had just come out, like literally maybe a month or two before this all happened. And I was like, so let me get, like, do you guys really put the lights on and go through all the red lights like super bad? And they're like, no, we can't do that. We'll get in trouble. So we get to the hotel and I'll never forget like the people's faces because it was a fancier um, hotel and like they just opened the door and let me out of the back. And they're like, see you later. Have a good day, Scott. I'm like, see ya. People are like, what the hell is kids coming out of the back of this cop car? So like that was the second to last interview. And so then when I got called back for the fifth interview, uh, they actually just flew me right to L.A. And I just like, you know, went there right away. Um, and then they actually, you know, they, they had my magazine for best abs on East coast, like on the table, like they had set up props on the table so that people would come in. Cause like, you know, they try to make, if you're not smart with the social media stuff, even back then you would never get casted for a reality show. So when I went back for my fifth interview, which was the final interview, I walk in the room, I see the, the magazine. Now, mind you, this magazine is already like six or seven months old at this point. There's no there's no reason for the January issue of Men's Health to be on the table like in September, okay? <laughs> so like I'm sitting there, I'm like, it's a fucking magazine. And then people start coming in like they're on lunch. But what they're really doing is they're seeing how well you open up to strangers, all right? At least I assume that. I'll never know for sure unless they tell me, but it makes sense. So like, you know, the person sits next to me and they're like talking to me. And I'm like, hey, want to see something cool? And I remember I grabbed the magazine and I was the pullout poster, right? And because I was the poster, like it's the, the when you open a magazine as a poster in the middle, sometimes you can just open right to it by accident. So like yeah. I by accident just like whip this thing open. I'm like, check out my pullout poster or whatever. <laughs> so then we um I get called in for my interview. And then that interview, you know, started out and it was a different person interviewing me. And he's like, oh, I heard, you know, you had some car trouble 
on your last interview. I'm like, shit, man, you think that's fucking crazy. Let me tell you what happened when I left. And so then that whole story came out and then, you know, I was on the show. <laughs> that's insane. I, I would not have expected that of a casting process for you. Yeah, well, you know, it's a funny story, and it's told the same way every time, so it's not embellished whatsoever. That's what <laughs> happened, and then, you know, uh, what, four or five months later, I was moving into Brooklyn with some people who uh, are now still good friends of mine, you know? Oh, you keep up with all of them? Shit, today's Ryan's birthday. I actually oh, texted wow. him this morning. Yeah, he yeah. texted me back. Yeah, he was one of the main ones, you and him. They, everybody was... Uh thinking that you guys were the two like those are the two guys they're gonna be the challenge guys and then ironically yeah. enough you guys ironically enough that. chet was the one that did it you know oh jd did a couple as well yeah jd did a couple too but uh sarah actually went on to be a uh, mainstay on that show for a oh, while sarah did great devin devin's doing really De- great devin's, for her. Yeah, yeah she's she's the host of uh like the after shows for the challenge now yeah yeah i talked to i say i talked to devin chet um devin and chet the most I keep in touch with everyone else. Um, like Ryan kind of does his own thing, has his family. But like I said, like, you know, we all if we all call each other, we pick up the phone like, hey, what the fuck's up? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's no there's no animosity between any of us. So I was telling s- Devin, I was like, Devin, you need to go back on the challenge and then have me come on as your partner. And then we'll just like Brooklyn stomp all these snowflakes. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I think a lot of people wouldn't be hoping for any semblance of a real world right now, of a presence of a real world on the uh, main flagship show. And, where, you know, where, where's your head at? It's, you talked about obviously trying to get onto both of them. Which one would you rather if you were presented both on a on a platter to choose? Real world, uh, I mean, all stars or uh, flagship? I think I would have a more fun on the ogs that we want ogs because i'm gonna be with people who i know Mm -hmm. Uh, but i think if you put me on the the actual challenge show i'll still so people see people i know but i'm there to like tear shit up like 110 percent you know i already told you before the show that i want that josh martinez ass you know he's still got me blocked on twitter he can't handle a little conversation back and forth between what what sparked that was there any banter or was just uh sudden blockage Dude, so, yeah, there was banter back and forth. He said something like, yawn, the things people will do to get casted these days. I'm like, dude, you wish you had the kind of success I have. I just want to go on the show to beat your candy ass. That's why I want to go. I'm like, you're on my show. I was on The Real World. You weren't. You were on Big Brother. You should go do the Big Brother Challenge, whatever the hell that is, and go stay over there. And that's why, too, because like my daughter, my daughter's 22, um, so she was like all into big brother when it was on and, you know, she would want us to watch the show with her and I would see Josh on there. I'm like, man, this kid just needs to shut the hell up and like stop complaining and just be a man. I don't know what rubbed me wrong about it. I just didn't, I don't like his attitude. Like he seems very flaky and like complaining. And then on, I see him on the challenge and I'm like, no, 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 that's my show. That's real world show. So I, that's why I have it out for him. Plus like the way he acts on that show, he acts so tough. Like, he starts shit knowing the bodyguard's going to hold him back. You know? Like, I don't like that. Yeah. I, I think – I don't know if you saw it from the, the past season, but there was um, a little bit of a confrontation between him and uh, Fessy, if you know who that is. Yeah. Yeah, I know and, Fessy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Fessy actually ended up being the one that got kicked off. Are you serious? Yeah. Josh wow. threw a drink at him first, and Fessy, Fessy mushed him, but Fessy was the only one that got kicked off. See, I would if if Josh threw a drink at me, I'd be like, 
thanks for the hydration, bitch. I'll see you in the you know the next elimination round, <laughs> and I'm just gonna absolutely like let's do hall brawl, bro. I'm gonna just rip you in half right in the <laughs> middle of that shit, and I won't be sent home, and there won't be any security guards to hold me back either. So, so where would you say the uh, likelihood is right now? Like, you know, you obviously extended an, a reach out to uh, Dan, and then you and Mark were uh, talking back and forth. Do you feel like the door is still open? Oh yeah. Um, at the end of the day, like these shows are, they want to make money. Right? Mm-hmm. They want to make money. They want to bring on, you know, people with personalities that are gonna, you know, have high energy. I mean, if they're looking for someone with a big following, you know, I got two point six million followers on. Uh, on YouTube, on my fitness channel. I just started my crypto channel. I got almost 20,000 subscribers on there. Um, I just gained, I just started like really using Twitter again over the course of the last few months and I've already gained another 23,000 followers on there doing that. So like my, my social footprint is pretty big and people, people who have been following me for so long, especially with the fitness stuff, you know, they'll see me on there and be like, oh shit, that's the fitness guy. Like there, there's definitely enough social impact for them to want to have me there i think you just have to fit the narrative right like there's a narrative to these shows and it's not personal it's literally just business so like i don't get offended you know like it you know if i was if i'm talking to mark and mark says send me send in your resume and i don't get posted on the show um and i don't get picked like i didn't get picked for the first season and i had messaged mark a few times like about other shit and he wasn't getting back to me and I, and I know people in this space, they get like really butthurt, right? And like really like, you know, they take it personal. I remember I sent Mark a message like last year. I was like, hey, dude, I already know I'm not on the first season. Like, I don't give a fuck. We're still friends. Like, don't ever think that I'm going to be upset if I'm not casted to the show. Like, I'm like, I obviously reached out to him because I wanted to get casted on the show and I wanted to talk to him. But I remember fondly doing appearances with him and parties with him and just how much of a, an incredible guy he is and how nice he is and how well we kick things off together. And so I was just happy to reconnect, you know, but you know, people get upset and you know, a lot of people have come off these shows and like hired their own video crews to follow them around to try yeah. to get their own spinoff. You know, like that, that whole limelight thing is huge. I remember we were when we had just got off the show, we were doing like appearances and stuff, and we'd be at bars with guys, um, you know, from previous seasons. And it was like they latched on to you because you were the hot new thing, and they wanted to like latch on to you to like, you know, get a piece of that fame back, right? Get that attention back. And oh, yeah, oh, there's Scott. Oh, hey, you know, there's so and so from season, you know, whatever. Oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, let's take a photo together, you know, kind of. Kind of like that scene in the Avengers um, Endgame when they're sitting at the table <laughs> and like the kids come over, take a photo with the Hulk, and then yeah. you know Ant Man's like, "Hey, you want a photo of me? I'm Ant Man." And they're like, "No." And then he's like, "He's like, oh, that's fine." And the Hulk's like, "No, go take a photo with him. It'd be cool." He's like, "I don't even want the photo." Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but that's that's what happens. <laughs> so yeah you you were actually we were talking about this off camera too you know we talk about the niche that you carved for yourself with not doing the challenge by you know starting your youtube channel and we talked about kind of how 2007 2009 was when youtube was really starting to find its footing and you were the original pioneer in terms of uh you know fitness through youtube so oh yeah yeah so you know the 
the YouTube thing, like I said, everyone said it was it was nothing. It would never turn into anything. But I saw the opportunity there. And the opportunity I saw was educating millions around the world, right? Like when I go on my YouTube analytics page and I see like all the subscribers I have from countries that we've never even heard of. Mm-hmm. And then when those when they actually do their best to write in English to tell me how much my videos have helped them. Cause you know, like a lot of these these countries that have like gyms that are made up of literally like bamboo sticks and fucking mud and rocks. Okay. Like their only source of information sometimes nowadays, if they can get access to it is YouTube mm-hmm. and they, they watch these videos. And as an educator, you know, it, like right now, unfortunately, like YouTube fitness is all about like toxic, toxic bullshit. Like who's on steroids, who's talking shit, you know, you know, which 21 year old kid you know, took SARMs to get jacked and drop his natural testosterone levels to be able to jump on TRT and abuse that system to basically do like low dose steroid cycle. That's all it's all it is right now. You know, and you got 16 mm-hmm. year old kids, you know, jumping on drugs because they want to make TikTok videos and look shredded like kids. Kids nowadays are just fucking their bodies up so much. And all they care about is that limelight we just talked about. Right. I want likes and subscribers on Instagram and TikTok. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that shit does not pay the bills forever or even sometimes not at all. Right. But getting back to, you know, the YouTube stuff. So because I was an innovator in the space that led to me doing a lot of other things, I was actually the head trainer for Lionsgate for three years. They had their own YouTube channel called BeFit. Right. So I was creating content for movie releases like The Expendables, Central Intelligence, Day After Tomorrow. Um, I was doing red carpet interviews for movies for like American assassin. Um, I've done, I've done all kinds of like random stuff stemming from getting popular in social media and then also having this reality star TV background. I mean, shit, uh, last week I just did a Twitter space with CeeLo green for a crypto token that I was, that I was doing spaces for called Hollywood Enu, you know? So we had him on and you know, he was telling his story and we were shooting the shit back and forth. And, you know, like I'm able to basically move into all these different spaces. And it's funny, right? Like I have conversations with people from so many different backgrounds, especially now that I do the crypto stuff. Right. And I have a team that works with me um, and they're always so confused because I'll be talking to people And like the number one thing that's always said in these conversations is like, hey, don't repeat this, but and they will like stop dropping all these like alpha things they haven't told the communities yet. And then my guys are like, why do people trust you? I'm like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) I mean, I am trustworthy. Like, you know, like I if I sign an NDA or if someone says something and they're like, hey, keep this to yourself for now. But this is like the direction we're going in. You know, my lips are sealed. I ain't saying shit. But. You know, I was able to do the Lionsgate B-Fit stuff. I actually have three full-length, like, you know, DVDs, Jane Fonda style with B-Fit that came out, like, a few years back. Um, that was a really cool experience. Yeah. Like, you know, those 20-minute nonstop workout videos where you got a group behind you. Uh, I have one of the most popular uh, programs on bodybuilding.com called uh, Metaburn 90. And that program exploded, obviously, during COVID because it's a totally 100% at-home program. No weights. You just follow along with me. Actually, if you go on Instagram right now and you type in Scott Herman, there's a little gift pops up that says, let's get started. And it's from that program. And you know, people love my accent. So they, they like saying started. 
Yeah, you got the Pat McAfee uh, accent going there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know what's funny is when I started my YouTube channel, you'll notice that I, I hid my accent. And I did that because I was still pursuing acting and I didn't want people to see my YouTube videos and just hear my accent all the time. So now I kind of it's kind of funny, right? Like unless I'm really excited or angry, my accent kind of goes in and out because when I do videos, I purposely will try to say certain words um, and, and pronounce them properly because when I talk to people who speak different languages, they don't mm-hmm. know what a car is. They know what a car is, but they don't know what a car is, right? So like four like maybe like four years ago, I just said, fuck it, I'm not gonna hide my accent anymore. And people were like, What 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 what's going on here? I just watched an older video and now I'm watching a new video and you sound totally different. I was like, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, but so I also had a chance from Lionsgate to I was in a movie called Heist. I had like a really small role, but it was awesome. Did you see Heist with um, Dave Bautista, Def- Jeffrey oh, Dean yeah. Morgan? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Re- big WWE guy. I know Dave Bautista. Yeah, yeah. So Robert De Niro, Mark Paul Gossinler, uh, Gina Carada, Carano were all in this movie called Heist. Um, and I was in it. I was a SWAT team captain. They shaved my head, gave me cool sunglasses, and I had like four lines. It was awesome. <laughs> I had never <laughs> acted like in a movie before. It's very different than making YouTube videos, obviously. But all of my banter was with uh, Mark Paul Gossinler. And for those of you who don't know who that is, that's Zach from Saved by the Bell. I mean, he's super famous, so people should know who he is. Uh, it was really cool. So, like, I'm in the hotel gym with my wife, and I was like, oh, shit, there's David Batista. And my wife's like, who's that? I'm like, the fucking guy who's as big as a house standing over there <laughs> in, the, in this dinky hotel gym, you know? And so um, I actually had lunch with Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Dave Batista one day on set. And it was so hard to not ask for a photo, right? Because I had to be cool, right? So I had, and I'm like a huge Supernatural fan, and you know, obviously, Mark uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is is uh, Papa Winchester. So you know, we're just shooting the shit and talking. Two guys, so down to earth, so nice. Um, it was it was really cool experience. Yeah, my question is, how often do the lines get blurred between? scott herman the fitness guy and scott herman the reality star because when i was doing my uh, due diligence i saw a couple uh, i think reddit was one of the big places where they're like yeah i was scrolling through fitness one day one of my favorite fitness influencers i come to find out he was on the real world what a small world i can't believe that scott from the show does that happen a lot for you yeah it does and you know obviously not as much now because it's been you know what yeah. 10 11 years but People do still recognize, you know, especially with the OG challenge coming out and people are like doing their research and they're, and they're searching for things. But yeah, I mean, mostly now I'm known for obviously the fitness stuff. But when I do mention real world or people start talking about entertainment business and I talk about the stuff I did, they go, oh, shit. Yeah, I do remember you. Like, yeah, I remember you were doing that. That's awesome. You know, then they, they reminisce on the show and they say, Kind of the same things like you said, like, oh, back then these shows were way better. The people they had on them were actually more real. You know, they had actual things to talk about. So, dude, reality TV is just it's not what reality TV was, if that makes sense. Oh, no, not at all. Conversations that were being had. You don't see those these days. We don't have conversations that don't exist. It's almost like reality television now has taken on the form of social media and how that is artificial conversations and interactions 
Well, it's all it's all fabricated bullshit, really. And, people and people, fight on the shows, and then they go on vacation after, and are fine. It's like they do this specifically for the cameras. Yeah, and you can tell it's fake, right? Yeah. You can tell when it's fake. And people don't want to talk about real issues, right? Like, um, you know, if I got something to say or I have an opinion, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to stand by my convictions. And if it's not... You know, we live in. Well, actually, you know what? I think we're finally getting on like the opposite end of the of the swing of the wrecking ball for being politically correct, because mm-hmm. I think people are just like completely sick of it at this mm-hmm. point. You know, so I feel like maybe I won't get canceled as fast as I thought if I'm on the show and I'm just being myself. And I'm not not. And that's not to say that I'm like some kind of asshole. But I mean, I stand up for what I what I think is right. And if I have an opinion that's 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 maybe the goes against the grain. My innate desire is to always be a kind, you know, and gentle person and stand up for people who can't stand up for themselves, you know, and if I'm being honest with you, that's one of the reasons why I admired, you know, Chet from my season so much, because we would go out and remember, Caitlin was the she was the first transgender cast member on a show. And our show was the first part was the first show to tackle that issue on reality TV. I Mm. mean, shit at the time. I'm just some kid, you know, who lives 30 minutes outside of Boston in New, in New Hampshire. I didn't even know you could have a gender change surgery, you know. When when Ryan and Chet were telling me, oh, you know, that's that's that girl used to be a guy. I'm like, you guys are fucking crazy. Like that's not possible. If this isn't a movie, you know. I, I had no idea, you know. And then three months later, I I can tell you anything you need to know about you know transitioning. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, you want if you're looking to to change agenda roles, Mike. Yeah, we can have a conversation later. I can fill you in. But up <laughs> until that point, you know, I didn't know anything about that. But there were times where we would be out in the city, and dudes would like talk shit about Caitlyn. I remember one time specifically, we were um, outside this club. We we went to all the time called Libation, and we went there because there was a crepe shop right next to it that made the best crepes in the city. I forget the name of it. Yeah, look up Libation Club. It's in like the lower side of the city and right next door. If it's still there, there's a crepe, there's a crepe shop. We would go there every day. So like uh, Caitlin and, and Ryan and Sarah and Bea are all across the street, JD, getting a crepe. Me and Chet are on the other side of the street, and we're just standing there waiting for everyone to cross. And these dudes had seen Caitlin, and then like news had already been on like Reddit and shit that she was transgender. And so they were talking shit about her. I did. I remember like it was yesterday. These guys were like talking shit and Chet just walks over and like pokes one of them in the shoulder. He's like, you get a fucking problem with my friend over there talking all this shit. And obviously the kids did nothing, you know, but I remember seeing Chet do that. I'm like, man, this guy, this guy ha- does not give any fucks. Like if anybody is, is, you know, he's super religious, obviously he's Mormon he, and he doesn't push his religion on anyone. But like he's by the book, by the Bible, do on to others as you want done on to yourself. And it was like from that point on, you know, I had so much respect for Chet because I was about to walk over. And he beat me to it, which is usually doesn't happen. But like, that's how I am as a person. Like, if I see something I don't agree with, I'm going to walk over and say something. Or, you know, if I see some asshole pushing a car down the breakdown lane on the highway, I'm going to like I was I'm going to pull over and be like, dude, you need some help. I was at <laughs> I was at Staples the other day um, in my town and I. I, I had just I had just gotten to, you know, got there. I was about to go in and there was a police officer there with his hood up. Right. So obviously he needed help. And so I went into Staples. I needed like a, a day planner. I came out like 15 minutes later 
and he's still standing there with his hood up. And I stopped and I said to him, I said, and he had jumper cables. I was like, has no one stopped to help you? He's like, no. I'm like, I saw like 15 people leave here. No one, no one stopped to help you. He's like, no. I'm like, what the fuck? So I obviously helped him. But like, that's how people are nowadays. Yeah. They pretend like they're these, you know, virtue signaling, politically correct messiahs on social media. But they're actually just conceited pieces of garbage that wouldn't help you even if you needed it. Yeah, it, it's like real instances like that we don't see today. It does. It just doesn't exist. And that, oh. I think. That, yeah, go ahead. I'll, say, I'll take it back. If they had a friend there to record them helping the police officer, then they would do there it. There you go. Yeah. Then, then you bet you're at like those guys that like drive around and give people hundred dollar bills. Go fuck yourself, dude. Why don't you just give the hundred dollar bills out and then don't make a spectacle out of it? Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's it's all for image these days. Yeah, it's all it's all for image. It's, it's all bullshit. Unfortunately, all... the times we're in, but um, well, that's no, why you I... need people like like me to be like, no, 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 no. Like, let's get real. You did that because you want likes and followers on TikTok. Like, screw you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's what made Real World Brooklyn stand out so well. And when I had Sarah on, she actually said that your guy's season was sandwiched in between Cancun and Hollywood specifically yeah. as an yep. experiment. Because you hear Cancun, Hollywood lights, kind of tropical. And then you guys, it's just in stone cold, blue chip Brooklyn. And, and people, people like that. Yeah, from all different walks of life, and we're going to deal with real problems. Everyone said that, like, the Brooklyn season was a throwback season. And, like, it was a show about real people. I mean, shit, the whole season, Ryan was so fucking excited for Obama to get elected. And he was so excited that he was not going to have to go back, you know, to, to active duty, gets a letter halfway through the show. After celebrating in the street, dressed as uncle sam it was on one of the episodes and then me and chet are the only conservatives in the house so he's like fuck you in your face obama wins woo you know and like whatever so he's celebrating he's <laughs> excited and then like a week later his mom calls hey by the way you just got your letter you have to go back and then he was just wrecked from that yeah. you know and he he you know, he had told us stories about things he had seen like you know people setting up ieds on the side of the road and um, getting blown up um, wow. in front of him, like body parts flying across the street. Like that shit, that shit messed them up, you know, a little bit. And, and as it should for anyone who had to deal with that. And so towards the end of our season, um, when we got that news, I had actually gone out and I bought like a journal and then I had everybody in the house. I'm like getting emotional right now thinking about oh, it. Oh yeah, go ahead. But I, I had, you know, everyone in the house right um ryan like a a passage you know yeah. to be like you know supportive and so we gave it to him and uh it was really special wow that that's yeah. awesome dude that's big of you like that those are the moments like we look for in reality television like that's real right there that's all well that. it wasn't done for the cameras you know like exactly if that yeah. was today that would be done for the cameras or like when i gave caitlin money they're like, oh, he only did that because it's on the show. It's like, no, my friend like literally was doing something important and needed support. And the show wasn't going to help her because that's not real. That's not what the show is for. You know, you can't even talk to people holding the camera because if you do, they'll get fired because they're yeah. not supposed to interact with you. And so these things that happened were real. It wasn't just getting drunk and fucking each other. Like none of us <laughs> hooked up on the show. 
granted, Ryan and Bea had a relationship after, but it was very like it, our show was like guys versus girls. Like we were putting rats in Sarah's bed. Like this episode <laughs> where like but, you know, JD JD went to the store and bought like a pet a pet shop rat and put it in her bed and she oh, like yeah you know, it was funny as hell you know um but it it was real it was real relationships you know and Ryan and Chet became you know such close friends you know there's a there's a scene of them like sitting in like the the boat that they had outside the house on the water it was like we had like a little like area that they made look nice and it's like them like playing the guitar and singing you know like it was real it was it was cool yeah, do you have any other funny memories you could share? I mean, you got to tell the one that you told me about uh, JD when he. Oh yeah, well that's in an episode, right? So like, uh. um, at th- at that point, Ryan and Sarah were not getting along, and JD was like pissed. I don't even remember like why they were getting mad at Sarah. I, I think they thought that she was like being fake about something, and so JD is like screaming and like he lost it, and he like takes this like basket and he slams it on this table and the table shatters and there was like these yarn balls in there and like one of them shot into the air and then came down <laughs> on his head and like bounced off his head you can see it in the episode and like shit was funny as hell um but like there were definitely funny times in the house um so i was getting pissed in the house because like literally day one the girls were like we want to keep the house clean boys are messy you know so if you're gonna like eat make sure you wash your dishes and like all this bullshit yeah after a week guess who was leaving all the dishes in the sink it wasn't the boys it was the girls girls. so leaving all their shit everywhere so late one night me and chet and this is on an episode two chet is just sitting there eating like cornflakes at like 11 o'clock at night and i took all of the dishes and all the silverware all the cups and i locked them all in the cabinet and I left out one dish, one cup, one spoon, one fork, one knife for everyone. And I made, I like set the table and I was like, you know, it's like now you guys all have one. And if you don't wash it, it's your problem, you know. And it was funny, too, because <laughs> I, I had a chair that I had to step on to like get on the counter to put the dishes in the cabinet. And one time I stepped down and I stepped on like the edge of the chair and the thing flipped over and I landed like right on my ribs. Oh, <laughs> I can't remember if that's in the show or not, but like I, I like landed on it and like bounced off. Um, I was fine. Luckily I like, I don't know, maybe I braced my core the right way or something, but I just remember that fondly. And Chet's just sitting like on the kitchen sink, eating his cornflakes. He's like, he's, you know how Chet is. Chet's like, this is great. Oh, I mean, I can't wait to see what the girls say, you know, all this shit. So then after that, Caitlin took the balls from the pool table and hid them. And said we're not getting them back um, until we get the plates back out or unlock the cabinet. Because we played pool every day. And then we had devised the plan to find her dilators. And then we decided not to. Uh, that's what that's something that you use to mm. transition. We'll yeah. just leave it at that. <laughs> but uh, then we eventually made up, obviously. And, you know, some of the other more important shit happened. Like Ryan got his phone call and, you know, all these other things. Um, but there was like funny times too in the house, you know, when they're filming you, you know, you get acclimated to it almost to the point where you, you forget they're there. So like, I remember I was sitting down like eating with, um, I think Ryan or, or Bea at the table, um, at the, at the kitchen table. And then I like, for whatever reason, like jumped out of my chair and ran to go like go somewhere else. And I went, I turned around and ran and like face first into the camera, you know? (laughs) 
Yeah, like talk about breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, you know. And it's funny, everyone laughs, you know. But you know, there there are things like that that happen, um, just because they're trying to like be in your face and keep it real. I I remember one time, me and Ryan were playing pool, and um, the camera guy put his uh, his camera like really low on the on the pool table, and Ryan shot his ball, and it like shot right into the camera. We're like, oh shit! Like we thought we broke it, you know. And then there was um there was one camera woman that we all thought was cute. So, you know, they can hear everything you say. Yeah. So whenever she would come around, we'd be like, oh yeah, you know, camera camera girl number one's back. Oh yeah, you know, and just like busting <laughs> balls. Like we had a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, All Stars isn't the only show that's uh, taken form now. There's also a homecoming show that's revisiting real worlds. Obviously, of course, you guys being one of the, I guess you can call it ladder seasons, you would probably have to get through some seasons first. But if the time ever comes, what do you think if uh, your phone call starts to come and it's for a homecoming season revisiting in Brooklyn? Oh, I think that would be great. You know what? It's you guys funny. would probably be able to make that happen, right? You think everybody would co-sign on it? I think so. Like maybe... Maybe some some cast some of my castmates might not be willing to do a challenge because of you know obviously like if you get hurt or or anything like that that's gonna affect your your job and coming home. Yeah. But doing that, doing an, a homecoming, and I have seen this by the way, um, you know that's just a little more of just like real life with cameras. So I I think that they would be down for it for sure. Yeah, I know Sarah's a. Th- I think Sarah and Caitlin both might be therapists now. I know Sarah is. Um, so <laughs> that, yeah. Like, that, let's have a little therapy session. <laughs> that could be good, you know? It could Like, that could be part of the show. You know, we all start fighting, and Sarah and Caitlin are like, let's just lay down on the therapist's couch. What's really going on, Scott? What's go- what's, <laughs> what's the deeper issue here? <laughs> Did you ever see? I'm sure you've seen it, but... What to what extent did you see when uh, Bananas took the money from Sarah on that one show? And if so, what were your uh, sentiments? Oh, I I don't know much about it. If I'm being honest, really? Yeah, I I mean I know what happened. I know she got screwed over, but I was they too were, busy doing yeah. my own thing to like care that much. Oh, okay. I guess is the best way yeah, to say no, it. I, they were partners and they won. Yeah, the but I I know yeah. I know they were partners yeah. and I know she was pissed. And I think at one point I did have a, have a conversation with her about it, but. Hey, that's the name of the game, right? There can only be one winner, you know? It's just like when yeah. you watch the Hunger Games and they're all running around in groups. And it's like, at the end of the day, I'm going to have to kill you, but it's, it's not going to be right now. It might be right now, but it's not going to be right now, but it could be, you know, but there's only one winner. Did, did you ever meet, like, uh, CT, Bananas, all those guys on appearances or anything like that? Um, I've met, I think, Bananas once. So when I was growing up in... So I worked at a gym in Methuen, Mass. It was a gold's mm-hmm. gym that turned into Latitude Sports Club. So me and Cara Maria actually worked together for for many years at that gym, even before I went on the show. Yeah, you know, like in our early teens. So we knew. Was each this other. Gold's gym? It was a Gold's gym, and yeah. then it later turned into um, a gym called Latitude Sports Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like it was like the biggest gym in the area in Methuen. It's right by a place called the Loop. It's like sixty five thousand square feet, it's a huge gym. Yeah, but um. You know, we worked there. CT would go to the gym because he lived in the area. So I had met him and, you know, I mean, I was way, I was younger than him. I was still like maybe 16 and I don't know how much older than me he is. But like we weren't friends, but like you knew who I was. I worked there. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? 
Yeah. So I do have some relationships with with some of the other cast members outside of that. And obviously, like, you know, doing appearances with the people um, from the seasons before and after mine, you know, from like the like um, uh, from the Cancun season and the season before. And then some of the regulars like Ruth or Mark, you know, doing appearances with them and, and and whatnot. So. I mean, I know I know a few people, and there are some that I would definitely have some um, some bonds with strong enough where I could make an alliance. You know, who are those uh, people? <laughs> well, I already I already told Mark. I'm like, hey, Mark, if I get on OGs, we got to link up. You know, and then actually, when when season three got casted, and I mean, I knew I wasn't going to get casted for season three, um, but I sent him a text message, and I was like, hey, man, I go, what's up with season three? You don't want two incredibly good looking guys on the same show? Like he's just like, he's just like laughing, you know, he's like, he's like, obviously, bro, that's not it. I'm like, I know, dude, I'm just busting your balls. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Were the appearance scenes kind of kicking off like quite often once you got off of Brooklyn? Like, what was the scene like coming off? I feel I feel like um, the scene itself was starting to like die down. Mm, Really? Like we still did really well. But I mean. You know, five even five years before that, I mean, you'd make you know two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars probably doing appearances because it was like all the time and it was like the cool thing. I mean, I I have yet to see any like bars doing reality star appearances like in any ads or anything lately. You know, it's, it's been like a it's not, really long time. So I'm saying like it it's it kind of like you know fiddled out because as social media grew, more and more people were becoming you know like social media influencers or stars. Yeah. So like that stuff kind of went away with, I think our season was probably one of the last seasons that really got to see a good amount of appearances, you know? And then you had Jersey shore come like immediately after you guys too. And they were starting to like kind of real world thunder a little bit towards the end. Yeah. I actually knew um, some of the casting directors that were telling me about Jersey shore as my season was airing. They're like, Oh yeah, this new show's coming out. It's called Jersey shore. You know, um, it's going to be this amazing thing. And, you know, it's all these guys are crazy. I'm like, shit, let's see what happens. And then obviously a phenomenon happened. I was like, fuck, I wish I was on that show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, maybe not. But like, you know what I mean, right? <laughs> you think any of those guys would do well on the show? The challenge? Um, I don't know. Maybe. You know what I mean? It's not gonna be, I don't think there's any tanning beds. Um, no, I there, don't you so. know, or steroids. Really, so I don't oh, know if they're going to be. <laughs> if they're going to be able to, to like, you know, a lot of these guys, they they beef up and like by the end of the show, they're a little deflated. It's like, well, you're not getting your uh, your vitamins in during the during the three week filming. I mean, the six week to eight week filming. Period, bro. What's going on there? Did you ever think about getting into acting once you uh, got immediately got off your real world before starting the whole YouTube thing? Well, that was kind of what I was pursuing. Um, and then, I, like I said, I had that opportunity to do. You know, that movie, The Heist, which was cool. Um, But what I came to realize is that I am a lot better off being myself within (laughs) in creating my own social platform, which is why I've you know been as successful as I am now. But I would have never found that out or realized that if I, you know, wasn't a starry eyed kid, 18 years old, pursuing modeling and acting, because at that point in time, back then, there was no social media that shit didn't exist. The only way you got famous was getting on shows, doing movies, you know, then this whole other world opened up, which was, like I said, it was YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I just, I capitalized on that opportunity, you know, and luckily it worked out. 
Did, did you ever hit like one of those blocks that uh because i see with social media and just content creators in general they hit like these blocks where like it's almost like their audience is almost like uh what have you done for me lately type of thing where maybe your content's not quite as peaking as it was like did you ever face those and like how maybe did those test you as like an individual well yes and no right like what i do for fitness content is education and teaching so there's always new ways to go about reintroducing the same content um because as you're gaining new subscribers they're not necessarily going to watch all your older videos but they still need to learn like the basics of fitness so you have to find creative ways to reintroduce you know things you've talked about before but maybe you add some more information or put a different spin on it mm -hmm. so i wouldn't say i've had like a block um but i've had to obviously reinvent myself many times over the years to be able to you know still do this 10 years later there's not a lot of people on youtube that have been doing this for as long as me usually what happens is they fizzle out after a year or two because most of their their information is kind of just based on themselves and people move on you know like they need to they need some substance they need to learn from you at least that's my opinion on it the only real roadblock i hit with youtube is they're a bunch of assholes and they're constantly dogging channels that are older and they're constantly, you know, either lightly shadow banning your channel or, you know, I've had people um, been who have been unsubscribed from me three or four times. Yeah. And you, YouTube does this shit. YouTube does shady shit. I was talking to some guy uh, the other day. Uh, I won't say his name just because I don't want to put him on the spot, but he was huge on YouTube around the same time I was. And he was starting to notice the same thing. He's like, dude, like people are getting unsubscribed from me. Um, you know, the notification bells are being turned off and all this other wow. stuff or, you know, my videos aren't showing up in the main feed and, you know, he was going to go public with a lot of information and YouTube paid him a hundred grand to shut his mouth. They're like, we'll pay you a hundred grand if you don't talk about this stuff. Cause he had a lot of influence at the time, like four or five years ago. So like this stuff happens. Like when you go on YouTube, there's a reason why you always see newer creators and there's a reason why newer creators grow so fast. I mean, shit, I just started my crypto channel a few months ago. I already got almost 20,000 subscribers. You know, I do a, I do a live. I did a live uh, the other day at like 2,200 people watching. It's a brand new channel, bro. Why is it, Why am I getting all this attention? Because YouTube wants brand new creators to feel like they can make it on their platform. So there, there's this constant struggle with social media where you have to always understand, you know, you know, Instagram's the same thing. They change mm. the algorithm, you know, all of a sudden you're getting half of the amount of likes that you were getting before. You have to understand when you're in this space, you have to be headstrong. It is not you. It is these social platforms trying to figure out every which way they can screw you over, bring more people in, and then provide you an opportunity to pay to get that same engagement that you used to have back when you first started. That's what it really is. But what happens? Because not everybody knows this, or maybe they do, but like they don't, they don't think about it as intently as maybe someone like me does who's done it for a long time. This is when you start seeing people get like depression, right? Yeah. People fall into these like rabbit holes of just like, what's wrong with me? Why aren't people liking my content anymore? What can I do to like get them back? You know, and then all of a sudden you, you find yourself making an OnlyFans and you're shoving golf balls up your ass because that's what's bringing in the subscribers, baby. And, and, you, and we laugh. We, we sit here and we laugh. But that is the shit that's happening. No, and, it's true. You know, and, and instead of people going out to get an education, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I, I have an education. I have a, a bachelor's degree in business management, which allowed me to 
be able to do everything I do now. I had a DJ business for eight years. I had my real estate license for a few years. I did financial consulting for a few years. I've done a lot of shit, which is why I'm probably able to enter all these different spaces. Like, like your entire life, you need to always be educating and learning yourself because you never know what the future holds, right? Like, now that I'm really into crypto, and, and whether you're into it or not, this isn't a sales pitch, it is the future. So I'm entering spaces with people for all these different tokens who are trying, they're trying to feel shit out the way I did back in 2009 when YouTube was never going to work, right? All the same yeah. people have said to me, YouTube's not going to work. Those same people are saying that about these crypto companies that are like getting into gaming, you know, and are, and are doing like NFTs and making the metaverse. Like if you don't think the metaverse is the next big thing, you're an idiot, Okay. So all, all these, I'm able to jump into these conversations and talk to people on, on all walks of life because my entire life wasn't me just trying to like film the next, you know, stupid fucking TikTok dance, you know, and that was my day. I was getting educated. I was trying to build businesses. I was trying to, you know, meet people, talk to people, helping strangers fix their fucking car because I'm not an asshole. You know, a funny story when I was uh, in college. I, I had an 84 Camaro, okay? And if you don't know much about cars, Camaros and Firebirds are basically identical, all right? So I'm at the mall in my, my neighborhood, and this, this, this guy was pulled over. I could tell he had car trouble, had a Firebird. I'm like, I could probably help him fix it. And my car was always, you know, I, was, I grew up, I wouldn't say poor, but like I wasn't rich. So I always had tools in my Camaro because that shit broke all the time. And so I pull over, and I have my tools. I end up helping this kid fix his car. I'll never forget his name. His name is Josh. You know, instant friends from there. And then literally like three weeks later, I'm at the movie theater at this place called The Loop. And I'm about to get into a fight with this kid that I have by the neck um, at least three feet in the air because I was leaving the movie theater. This is like the place to be, by the way, in my town. It was like where everybody went. I was leaving and my friends were on the other side of like this, this like uh, entrance way. And I said, you know, they were going to the bathroom. I said, hey, I'll be outside. I'll be waiting for you guys out back. And I just walk outside <laughs> and I'm leaning against like the door on like the left side of the of the entrance, just minding my own business. And this kid walks up to me with like two of his friends and his girlfriend. He's like, what the fuck did you say to my girlfriend? I was like, I'm 18 at this at this point in time. I'm like, what? He's like, what did you say to my girlfriend? I'm like, bro, I don't know you, dude. Like. I was just talking to my friends, like, you know, leave me alone. And he's like, no. He's like, what'd you say to my girlfriend? I'm like, I didn't, I promise you, I said nothing to your girlfriend. I'm sorry if you felt that way. I didn't say anything to your girlfriend. And then I, I remember like it was yesterday, he took his finger and he fucking jabs me in the chest. And he's like, what the fuck did you say to my girlfriend, you faggot? And I was like, oh, now, now, you know, the switch flips. So I picked this kid up by his throat. I throw him against the wall. I'm screaming at him. Like my veins in my neck are like popping out the ear. <laughs> and I was like, I was, I, and I'm sorry if this, if, if you guys think differently, differently, differently of me after this, but this was when I was 18. That was 20 years ago. Okay. I'm 38 now. Um, but I said to the kid, I go, I didn't say anything to your ugly ass girlfriend. Like, and I pointed to her and then I look and then she had like bolted. And so did his two friends. And I remember I was like, I was like, your friends left you to die, right? And he's like freaking out. So I'm like screaming at this kid. Mind you, while he was in my face, like with his two friends, um, like I, I was kind of one of those people in high school. I was like, a, I'm a social butterfly, like my mom. Like I like kind of talk to everyone. Mm -hmm. 
So like this was the place to be. So like all these different groups of like kids that I knew saw me like, you know, the kid in my face. And they also knew that like I worked out and I was doing like MMA fighting and things. So like they knew not to jump in that I would be okay. But like this half circle of about like 30 people had formed behind them that they didn't know about. And so then when I flipped out and picked the kid up and threw him against the wall and started screaming at him, his friends probably realized they bolted. He's freaking out. And then the guess the one guy that came over to get me to stop was that guy, Josh, that I helped fix his car three weeks ago. Wow. He walks up. He's like tugging on my arm. He's like, he's like, Scott. And I, like my personality, I get really like I have a really like yin yang personality where if I get angry, I get really angry, but I can turn it off like a flip of a switch. Right. So I'm like screaming at this kid and my friend Josh, you know, I hadn't seen him in three weeks since I helped him fix his car. He's like, dude, the cops are coming. Like, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm like, ah, oh, hey, what's up, Josh? Well, I'm like holding this kid up. I'm like, what's up, dude? He's like, bro, what's going on? The cops are coming. I was like, this guy tried to fight me. He's like, whatever. So I let the kid down. Right. And then the the police officer that worked the area was in the movie theater. So he walks outside and he comes over um, and the kid starts shaking my hand. And he's like, oh, uh, I'll see you next Saturday. And then he leaves. And he was pretending like he was my friend. And so the cop comes over. He's like, what, what was that all that about? I was like, this dude tried to fight me for no reason. And I, I picked him up by his throat. And then you came out. And then he pretended he was my friend and left because he didn't want to get and get in trouble. And the cop goes, calls me, he's like, it's like, oh, it's like, well, don't do that shit back here. I was like, okay, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You didn't well, know what you were getting into when you decided no, to have no. this podcast. You know, like. <laughs> moral of the story is, it's it's important to have real life experiences, whether they're bad or good, because you never know how your life is going to unfold in the future, and you never know what kind of lessons you're going to learn from things that happen when you're younger, right? Like even with relationships, you know, I had so many girlfriends that, that broke up with me, you know, for whatever reason, you know, what I heard the most was like, I was too nice. And I was, when I was in my like teens and early twenties, I was way too nice. I got walked over by a lot of girls. Uh, and not, not to say that I was Mr. Perfect, but you know, I was way too nice. I believed like every story I was told, like, you know, if a girl didn't call me, you know, back for a few days and she's like, oh, I was busy. You know, now, uh, you know, as an adult, I'm like, man, girls are on their phone 24 seven. That just means she don't like you. But yeah. I was very naive and gullible back then, which I will say, though, when my daughter started dating, I was able to give her some really good advice. And she has, you know, she has an amazing boyfriend. She's been with for two years now, loves her, treats her with respect and kindness, you know, and I was able to. <laughs> to help guide her in the on the dating side of things it's funny right like my wife would give advice and i would give advice and she would just like land somewhere in the middle with, with, with what oh. she would do because i would be extreme out here because as a man i know what all these guys are doing you know i know i know every line in the book because as soon yeah. as i got off the real world i probably wrote some of them all right yeah. um, <laughs> let's just let's just be real so, you know, you learn like life experience, you learn. And I feel like a lot of this young generation, they don't know how to have these impactful conversations in these reality shows and like these reality dating shows. A lot of them, they don't have that same substance just because like this generation doesn't experience it. They don't. No, they don't. You're 100 percent correct. And who knows? Maybe in the future, some tides could be turned in that regard. But I don't know. I just feel like maybe. The reality uh, genre, as we once knew, is um, 
all but evaporated, I guess. Well, I mean, even look on social media, right? Like what you see on Instagram, you think somebody's life is so perfect. Like they literally, you know, there's actually what? Uh, if you go to the movie theater, like an AMC movie theater, they have a, um, an ad that plays before the movie about like, you know, being in the moment. And they show people taking selfies like smile and then like instantly like smiles gone. They're just like on their phone doing their thing or, you know, a plate of food comes out. And instead of being like, oh, shit, that's great eating it. Actually, my wife and I just celebrated our seven year anniversary. We've been together for about 13. Oh, um, thank you, man. So our seven year anniversary was on Sunday. So mm. we had like we went out to lunch. I got us couples massages and then we went to a jason derulo concert at universal oh and, i love jason derulo dude, riding solo is my favorite song but he's saying he's saying that i love that song too and he first of all jason derulo is incredible live sings amazingly dances the whole show is great but i was getting pissed because the guy in front of me was like filming the entire show i'm like dude put your phone down like you literally i'm like it said like 10 minutes he's holding this phone I'm like <laughs> You are never going to watch this video ever. Why are you filming it? But people feel so compelled now to film everything that they're not even enjoying the moment, right? Like my wife is shorter than me. This asshole has his phone almost in her face the whole time in front of us. I'm like, dude, are you going to film the whole show or are you going to watch some of it? You know, like if you want to if you want a video of the show, you know, go buy it when the show's over. You know what I mean? Yeah. But everyone needs to be like, oh, I was there. I was there. You know, it's like, can you just be there? Have fun, dance. Yeah, no, it's it's not about enjoying the experience anymore. It's about going on an experience, letting everybody else think that the experience is great instead like, of making it great yourself. Yes, the only place you can go right now to enjoy an experience is like a water park, right? Because no one can have their phone out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah, just go to a water park, you know, or yeah. at least when when we can start doing things in the metaverse and you have your your Oculus on, you know, yeah. unless unless they like give you a phone that you can hold up to be an asshole you know at least that's that'll be a place where you can finally go with phones everywhere at every event <laughs> well i had a ton of fun chatting with you today and um you know i enjoyed all your stories as i'm sure the listeners and uh, viewers will as well and um i think i can speak on behalf of a lot of people when we say that uh hopefully in the near future we see you on uh our TV screens in any capacity, whether it be Paramount Plus for an all-star show or a homecoming show or uh, on MTV itself for the flagship. I think, I think, that you, would, I think you'd kill it. Hey, hey, man, you know, I think that would be a lot of fun, right? And yeah. that's why and, I, and that's why I want to do it. I want to have some fun. I don't need the money. I don't care. I still want to win because I'm competitive. You know, I, I like to be the best, but that's why I want to do it. I want to provide entertainment and, you know, for those of you who've been following me for a very long time, you know, I'm 38. I'm going to be 40 soon. I want to show you that at 38 years old, you can still whoop some ass pretty easily. Let's go. Yeah, let's get, let's get it. Let's get it going. Let's get this movement going. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. I'll uh, tag you when this is all out. And um, thanks again hope, for a great chat. I hope you don't get canceled, brother, you know, for after people hear this episode. <laughs> Oh, God. Let's just hope not for my sake. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. And for those of you who are here who have subscribed to my channel or enjoyed my season and you've been along for this wild ride over the last, I don't know, like 10 plus years, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my support. 
bottom of my support from the bottom of my hat thank you for the support it truly does mean a lot um and i can't ever say that enough so thank you guys thank you and um if you guys want to go subscribe to his um channels feel free to plug them right now yeah if you guys uh my fitness channel scott herman fitness on youtube and instagram uh my twitter is scott underscore herman because that's what that was cool back then when it first came out was to do the underscores. Uh, <laughs> I think Chet is the same way. Chet underscore Cannon. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And then my my crypto channel is uh, Scott Herman Crypto. So it's really easy. You just type in my first name and last name. Do you, Do you know who I Justine is? Are you familiar with her? She's pretty big I've, on YouTube. I think I've heard of her. Yes. She does a lot of like techie stuff. Um, I remember when we first met her back in 2009, we were going to the MTV Movie Awards because that's what that's what you do after the show. You get invited to movie awards. I remember her being like, oh, the underscore boys I'm like shut up, Justine, making fun of us for our underscores. <laughs> yeah. Now that now that now they let you do the uh, period on Instagram now. Finally. Yeah. 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 I like that. I like the underscore better. I like that separation. Yeah. You got used to it. You know, it was the first yeah. thing. So it was cool. All right, Scott. Well, uh, I had a fun time chatting with you again, and um, hopefully uh, maybe in the future we'll do like a recap or something if you're ever up for it. For an yeah, hell yeah. Let's do it, man. All right. Take care. See ya. See ya, everyone. See ya.